the volume. The Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. This is why I love betting on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook for obvious reasons. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. Fast payouts in as quick as two hours. Are you kidding me? And do you see these same game parlay bets? Not to mention the live betting. Just a gorgeous platform all the way across the board. FanDuel is making it easy for everyone to bet this season with a bunch of promotions that they will be sharing all season long on my podcast. You can't miss it. We're talking about risk-free bets, same-game parlay bets, enhanced odds, markets, and more. That's boosted odds, baby. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code MONACO. So they know I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 Arizona. 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. All right, welcome into another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. I'm your host, Alex Monaco. Special edition episode. You know it's tournament time. Do we have an incredible guest for you? Michael Calabrese, co-host of the Big Bets on Campus podcast via Action Network. Michael, such a pleasure to be on with you, sir. Excited to pick your brain. How are we feeling? This is gambling Christmas. I'm ready to unwrap the, you know, the presents here. We got so many games, 67 games in, you know, tournament play in the next couple of weeks. So let's get into it. It's going to be a ball, my friend. Christmas indeed for all batters and particularly college basketball fans. Okay, so we're going to kind of go through each bracket. I want to start out in the West right now. Gonzaga, the favorite on FanDuel, our home sports book at minus 140. Duke at an interesting plus 460. And then it goes Tech, Arkansas, 14 to 1, and UConn at 19 to 1. From a overall odds to win the West perspective, do you think it's Gonzaga's to lose or do you think there's any value on these other teams? I think it's Gonzaga's to lose. I'm a little surprised they didn't get priced prohibitively. You know, minus 140, that doesn't scare me away. You know, in some cases during the tournament, you may see some numbers that are in between, you know, with those hooks that get juiced up to minus 125. So honestly, minus 140, I'm in on the Zags. I think that they have a really nice road to the final four. The only team that scares me a little bit is UConn because of their front court size. They have so many bouncy 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", you know, bigs to move in and out. It's like hockey changes on the fly. So they could potentially give Timmy and Holmgren some issues. But outside of that, I think it's smooth sailing for the Zags. Yeah, that's very, very interesting, statistically speaking. All right, so now let's let's stay in the West and let's talk about one of your, your best bets. We can go against the spread 
round one, we can go overall value if you want to stay with Gonzaga at minus 140. I mean, this does have Arkansas, Alabama. There's a couple interesting matchups as well. I, I do want to get your take on Duke. I think everyone listening wants to get your take on Duke. Is this going to be a, a humble out for them? And then also, yeah, your best bet for this region. I think Duke is going to circle the wagons, to be honest. You know, it was a game that emotionally it appeared they wanted to play North Carolina in the ACC final. They had some players who were quoted saying that it ends up firing up the Hokies. They, they lay an egg. This team still has, in terms of upside and their ceiling, when they're playing their best basketball, their top five offense in the entire country. And Bancaro remains a matchup nightmare. They're going to get through the first round against the 15 seed. And in that second game, I think they're going to play Davidson. That's going to be interesting because it's a, a differential in speed and tempo. The Wildcats play one of the slowest paces in the entire country, 304th nationally. That can really throw teams off. And I'm going to mention this a lot in our next 20 minutes. The NCAA tournament becomes a half-court game, even for teams that like to play up and down and fast, because there's so many timeouts, there's so many reviews, there's lots of instances where teams get to set their half-court defense. So if you're really good in the half-court, I think that's a big benefit. So what would you say your favorite bet in that region would be in the first round if you have one and have had a chance to look at the numbers against the spread? So just based on my own numbers, the biggest differential is Davidson. I have them as a three-point favorite. They're currently catching a point and a half against Michigan State. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. As I mentioned, that slow pace, that does not play in the Spartans' favor. Michigan State's awful in the half court, 308th according to shotquality.com. So that is not something that you want to be, you know, putting your money on. 281st at finishing at the rim. The Spartans' offense, you know, I think they, they got this unnatural bump from beating Wisco in really just not a very good game for those of you who watched the first half, just very low scoring. They're going up against the Davidson team, 11th in adjusted offense nationally, according to Ken Palm. So they're going to play slow. They're going to get them right where they want them. And I think Davidson's going to pick them apart. I actually see them winning, you know, going away, maybe by double digits here in the first round. I love that. Any upsets you're looking at? Do you think uh little Rutgers, Notre Dame gets past a Bama, anything interesting or appetizing in, in a little higher seat over a, a younger seed? I'll give you a direct answer as it relates to Alabama. Alabama is totally binary. They'll either win by double digits because the, the three-pointers <laughs> are falling, or they'll get worked and they could lose by double digits. And you can go ahead and place alternate line bets on both. And I, I know you're creating a big middle, but Alabama is just one of those teams they are Jekyll and Hyde. But for my actual upset here, I'm going to go with the Vermont Catamounts over Arkansas. This is a, a, a Vermont team that's absolutely rolling. They are elite in the half court, eighth in points per possession in half court play, 15th in pick and roll situations. When they get kids cut into the basket, they're sixth, according to shot quality, eighth finishing at the rim. Everything is like top 10, top to bottom. When you look at them at the half court, they've won so many games in a row coming out of the American East. They don't turn the ball over less than 10 turnovers per game. They're the best defensive rebounding team by percentage in the entire country. And they're playing against an Arkansas team that needs to run. Arkansas needs to play up and down. Vermont, seventh nationally in transition defense. There's just so many things that are tr you know, tracking for Vermont in this one. And the last thing I'll say is that Arkansas really relies on turnovers to get their offense going. They create 15 per game. Vermont doesn't turn the ball over. So I love the Catamounts here. This is another Jekyll and Hyde team out of the SEC. I could see them fit, falling behind early and really panicking against a senior-laden Vermont team that really knows how to win in the half court. All right, Michael, let's shift to the East. Stay on the left side of the brackets out there. Kentucky and Baylor at plus 240 on FanDuel to win. 
that region. Then there's Purdue, UCLA, Texas, and St. Mary's. Do you feel like it's Kentucky's region? I know they kind of shot. They did shoot very poorly against Tennessee. Tennessee won their first SEC championships in 1979. How do you feel about this corner of the bracket shaking out? It's a much more difficult road than I would like for Big Blue Nation, but I do like this number, you know, at almost five to two. You know, when they're getting healthy and they had a game where Oscar Shibwe gets in foul trouble against Tennessee, that changed the whole complexion of the game. He's not somebody who, who plays at a high foul rate. So, you know, he was aggressive in that game. He was trying to shut down the lane and he ends up having to spend a large chunk of the first half on the bench, which was an awful combination because they couldn't, you know, shoot from anywhere outside of 15 feet. They do have a tough road after they get out of the first round. It's either Murray State or San Francisco, and the Dons are also a matchup problem because of their guard play. But after that, I don't have a lot of fears for Kentucky taking it all the way to the Final Four. I'll mention it a few times here in our conversation. I do not believe in Purdue. I think that Jaden Ivey may be banged up as well. And what's interesting about Purdue is some of the offensive metrics just love them. But when you look at their skill position players, they're just not the sum of all their parts. They should be so much better given the versatility they have in the low block, given how good Ivy can be, given the way they can, you know, microwave, heat themselves up from three-point range. They just haven't put it together. And because of that, you know, you have to counterbalance it against them being a hundredth in adjusted defense. I'm not a believer in Purdue. And without them being a real thorn in the side of Kentucky on the way to the final four, I think that makes it a little bit easier for the Wildcats. And I'm going to stick with Kentucky in this spot. Is there any world where Juzang gets on a heater with UCLA and they they take it? Or do you think this is absolutely a, a Baylor-Kentucky Elite Eight more than likely matchup? So what's interesting to me with UCLA is that they've had some duds away from Westwood this year. You know, losses to, to Oregon, losses to Arizona State. That scares me a little bit. And it actually scares me in the first round because when UCLA plays fast, They, you know, they get better shots, they get more in their rhythm. When they play slow, they're outside of their comfort zone, which is interesting for a Mick Cronin coach team. You would think that they would, you know, kind of go back to the Cincinnati days a little bit and grind out wins. But this particular team doesn't want to do that. Akron is a team that wants to slow you way down. They play at the 324th slowest pace in the entire country, and they get to the line a lot. Once again, tight games. If you play it in the 60s, the pressure slides over to the, the favorite down the stretch. You got a team that likes to play slow, that can make their foul shots. I'm not sure UCLA gets out of the first round. And because of that, I think that makes it much more likely that we get a, a Baylor-Kentucky Elite Eight meeting. All right. Any first round upsets out of the East or best bets you're staring at for that first, first week of games? I am going to take a flyer on Akron, but I really do like Yale plus 16 against Purdue. You know, as I mentioned, uh, Purdue a hundredth in adjusted defense nationally. This Yale team is really good on the defensive rebounding front. And that's probably the biggest advantage that Purdue brings against a mid major, you know, with, with Williams, with Edie, they can just, you know, gobble up rebounds and get so many second chance opportunities. I think Yale is going to be able to use kind of a group rebounding strategy and not get crushed on the glass. And the other element of it is they like to go to the hoop. They like to attack. They could get some of the Purdue bigs in foul trouble. The last piece of this, it's 16 points. It's a lot in the first round. Purdue has played down to the competition. Losses to Michigan State, Michigan blowout on the road, Indiana losing on the road, a one-point win against Maryland. Since February 5th, Purdue has won a single game by double digits. So to lay 16 here, I'm more than happy to take those points. I uh, love that insight. All right, Michael, let's keep cruising. Let's let's head on over to the top right of the bracket, the South. 
Arizona, a little bit of juice you had to lay for them to win the Pac-12 tournament. They did after a little bit of a slow start against UCLA in the first half. They're at plus 145, Villanova plus 390 on FanDuel, then Tennessee plus 600, Houston, Illinois, and LSU at 13 to 1. This is interesting. I'm excited to get your take. I'm very high on Villanova and Gillespie, the college Van Wild, college basketball Van Wilder, I should say. The man just keeps playing for Jay Wright and clutch towards the end there against Creighton. Do you think it's Arizona's bracket to lose in that top right corner region, I should say, or do you think Villanova has a shot? I think Villanova is a live dog here to win the South region. And I, I think you bring up the you know the Van Wilder of college basketball <laughs> certainly certainly Colin Gillespie has been through it all he also I think is as gritted out and played through an ankle injury but you saw him get a little bit healthier down the stretch makes those clutch threes in the Big East championship game so he's still their go-to guy but I love what they've developed around him you know beyond Justin Moore beyond Jermaine Samuels this Brandon Slater kid is giving them another offensive option he's played better and better in January and February now here we are in March this is a Nova team that has four starters scoring in double digits. They have that balance, and they just have this overall confidence that comes from Jay Wright and the fact that they've won two national championships since 2016. I think they're going to be able to get it done, and Arizona is a team for me that is just high variance, and it scares me. They could score 95 points and beat teams going away, or they could have those games where they shoot 20% from three and really lose to anybody because Coloco, while he is you know a stat sheet stuffer and he's somebody who gets lots of offensive boards, you know, could score double digits. He's not someone who can create his own offense. So if the threes aren't falling for Arizona, I'm worried about them. And just a quick note on Tennessee, because they did come out victorious in the SEC championship, Kennedy Chandler, SEC tournament MVP, the freshman guard for them. Do you think they have a shot? Do you think that their kind of moment was that SEC championship? Or I know we're both high on Villanova. I just food for thought in terms of Tennessee or any other thoughts on the South region? I like Tennessee a lot. I just think it's a bad matchup against Villanova. I didn't even mention one of the key elements of March Madness. Villanova has a chance to finish the season as the greatest foul shooting team in the history of college basketball. It's wow. absolutely insane how efficient they are at the foul line. And when you're playing in single possession games, you know, in the Sweet 16 moving forward, that's a huge feather in your cap. I think it's what will get Villanova over the the hump against a Tennessee team that's really coming on strong, playing great basketball. You know, they, they slayed Kentucky. They were able to throw cold water on the AM team that was red hot. So I love the Vols right now, but I just, I'm not sure this matchup really is putting them in a good position to get to the final four. And from a big 10 point of view, Michael, with Illinois, of course, of course, Kofi Cockburn, one of the best double-double machines in the country. They kind of laid an egg in the big 10 tournament, but also Michigan gets in and Jawan Howard's club going against the Rams in Colorado state. Any thoughts on these two clubs going anywhere in this region, in this tournament? This is just name ID fully. The fact that Michigan's, <laughs> a, that, that Michigan's a two and a half point favorite. I, I don't buy it whatsoever. Colorado state is one of the, the best offenses that most people on the East coast have not watched this year. David, the body Roddy, he's like six, five, like two fifty. He's built like an old school fullback. 
he is a matchup problem for them. And the only thing that Colorado State can't do is collect offensive rebounds. They're awful on the offensive glass. They're not a very big team. So Hunter Dickinson could have a, a pretty solid performance against them, but they share the ball just about better than anyone in the entire country. Isaiah Stevens, their point guard, really makes it all go. He never turns the ball over. He's always putting people in a position to score. I like the Rams here to win outright, but also take the two and a half because that's just a gift. Oh, wow. All right. I love it. And wrapping it up in the Midwest, the Kansas Jayhawks coming in at plus 210. Bill Self's club, the humble favorite. Auburn, Bruce Pearl's team at plus 260. Iowa, plus 390, fresh off that Big Ten championship yesterday. And Wisconsin at 11 to 1. Michael, how are you looking in the Midwest point of view for your bracket? So let's get started with Providence against South Dakota State. Um, I, I did a little bit of digging. This is the shortest line in the history of the NCAA tournament for a 13 seed again, or a 13 seed facing a four seed. Wow. So that's basically Vegas saying we don't care about the, the seeding here. This Providence team was absolutely dipped in, in, in luck. Whatever you want to say, they made a deal with the devil. They won every single close game this year. And because of that, According to shot quality, they're five or six wins off where they should be, which is a crazy differential. And you look at a South Dakota State team that's got 30 wins this year. They're one of the best teams in transition. They're so good offensively. This is a problem for the Friars. So I think they're going to lose. But I also have maybe even a bigger upset in this bracket, which is Colgate taking down Wisconsin. Colgate's got five starters who average double digits. Four of the five shoot 35% or better from three. They're going to play four guards against Wisconsin. If they're big, can kind of hold it down in the paint against a Wisconsin team that really doesn't run through their big men. I think they have a great chance to win it here. They're third in three-point efficiency nationally. Shot quality is a great website. They give you all kinds of advanced metrics. They're 10th in offensive spacing. So you're going to see them get a lot of open looks and really frustrate the Wisconsin defense, and they're going to get a lot of catch and shoot opportunities. And the last part here, I, I've been beating this drum, they're fifth in half court offense points per possession. So when it comes down to those last three or four minutes, when it's a half court game, I like the Raiders here to get it done and Colgate to put an end to a Wisconsin season that was looking so promising. And they're just leaking oil coming into the NCAA tournament. They have not been playing well across their last six to eight games. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Colgate's, you know, pull the huge upset. How do you feel about Abaji in Kansas? I mean, they're very well-rounded, in my humble opinion, plus 210. I'm, I'm not that high on Auburn. Maybe I'm off. I, I don't know. I wasn't too impressed with them down the stretch, particularly in the SEC tournament. Do you think that Kansas comes out of the Midwest here? I do think Kansas comes out of the Midwest. I think the, the pricing here is pretty accurate, but I'll go ahead and take advantage of just north of two to one. Um, I, I look at their path real realistically. The only team that scares me a little bit is Iowa, but I do think that if they can throw some bodies at Keegan Murray and slow him down just a little bit, I'm not as scared of Iowa putting it together, you know, away from home that many games in a row to get it done. When I look at Auburn, it's kind of a similar situation to Iowa where they were so good at home when they were, you know, playing in front of the jungle and getting that huge crowd support, they were virtually unbeatable, but they laid not only a couple legs, but they had some near misses, almost lost to Georgia, almost lost to Mizzou. And my issue with Auburn is that they fall in love with the three point shot. They're a team that could be going in the front court to Jabari Smith and just dominating teams, but almost regardless of game flow, they want to shoot 30, 33s per game. And when they make, you know, 12 to 15, they're crushing teams. When they shoot 25%, they're letting just about anybody in the game against them. 
That being said, in the first round against Jacksonville State, that's a really bad matchup for the Gamecocks. So I'll lay the 16 and a half there. I think it's a neck crack game for the Tigers. I think they want to feel good about themselves, get their mojo back a little bit. Jacksonville State really sloppy with the basketball. They turn it over way too much, and they give up a ton of open looks from three. They, they allow opponents to shoot 27 threes per game. So a perfect matchup for Auburn to feel better about themselves. But after that, you know, Anything could happen with the Tigers. They could get hot and go to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, or lose right there in the second round against, you know, a Miami team, for instance, out of the ACC. Wouldn't shock me. Iowa, the best cover in this tournament at 62%, 22-13 and 13 against the spread. They looked very, very dynamic, all Big Ten tournament. They're going against Richmond. It's an interesting number. Do you think from an against the spread perspective, Iowa is someone you would want to take a look at in that first round or is that a stay away because Richmond just has clawed their way back in multiple games as of late? So I'll throw this out real quick. I play a system every single year. I bet every uh, 13 and every 12 seed against the spread and on the money line. So it ends up with 16 separate bets every year. 10 of the last 13 years, it's been a profitable system. Last three years, it, it's netted some really good money. And I think the reason is just you get a single one of these 13 seeds to win in an upset. You get, you know, five, six, eight, 10 to one on your money. So you can get some really nice payout. But this Richmond team in particular, I on the Big Bets on Campus podcast, I predicted them at plus 750 to win the 810 tournament. And it was simple logic that translates here to the big dance, which is they're a super veteran team. And they have something that most mid-majors don't. They have a really competent center in Grant Golden. He's 6'10". He can play out to 25 feet, knock down some threes. Jacob Gilliard at their point has played in a million games in his college career. We'll call him the mid-major Van Wilder. They just have so much <laughs> experience and they finally put it together. This was a team that had been underachieving. When you look back, you know, at early January, they probably weren't headed for the, the big dance. They put it together down the stretch. I think it's a dangerous team to give confidence to because they have great offensive balance. And I think they're going to give Iowa at least a game here. And historically, when you look at the Big Ten champ, sometimes they run out of gas when they play, you know, so many days in a row and then go right to the NCAA tournament. So I'm definitely going to be playing my system this year, which will include a money line play on the Spiders. And Michael, just for people out there listening that are not very experienced with betting the tournament, whether it's a favorites thought or an overall just first round, second round perspective, any notes out there for novice bettors? I know you threw out some gems with your model and taking underdogs against the spread, particularly in that 6-12 and 5-11 matchups. But do you think that there's anything out there we can get better at looking at this particular slate this season. So one thing I'll put out there, you know, now that there's so many online sports books that are legal across the country, they're aggregating all that data. I do believe that the, you know, the pre-match lines that they set and totals are pretty well calibrated. You know, they have their, their experts, they have their analysts, and then the market is fine tuning that right up to the number, but the live in-game overreactions both the sports book and the public, I think create inefficiencies. And you see it in, in terms of the first round when you have those really low seeds, I'm talking the 14, 15, 16 seeds that may come out with their hair on fire play, you know, 110% of their capacity, burning it all there before the first media timeout. And in some cases getting up, you know, we'll call it eight, two or something like that. I love jumping in and getting a discount on that pre-match number. You look at, um, I'll take, for example, Arizona is going to play the winner of Wright State Bryant. Both those teams can fill it up. Wright State has got a, a trio of scorers that average 45 points per game. 
Bryant has the, the nation's leading scorer in Peter Kiss. He scored close to 30 points per game across his last 10. I could see them coming out, hitting a couple threes, getting fired up, and all of a sudden, you know, upset alert for Arizona. If that brings the number down, the pre-match number by six or seven points, go ahead and jump in there. So take advantage of those live betting opportunities there in the first round and those overreactions that happen when, you know, the underdog, the trendy pick may get off to a hot start. And one more for you, if it isn't a one or two seed to hoist the trophy, do you see any three seed or higher above coming out and pulling a rabbit out of the hat? Or do you think it's a one, two seed more than likely hoisting the trophy? I think it's more than likely a one or two seed hoisting the trophy. Although I think there is potential for total chaos in the West region. Um, when you look at Gonzaga's road, even though I'm a believer in them this year, I really like what they bring to the table. I needed to see their guard play improve over the course of the year, which it did. But UConn's not a great matchup for them. Memphis is, you know, white hot right now, and they have some athletes that could give them trouble. And then on the other side of the bracket, if Duke stubs their toe, which I don't think you have to get too creative to, to picture that. Texas Tech, a team that's, you know, lost to Gonzaga earlier in the year, but they didn't have their full lineup. I think Texas Tech is coming in way under the radar. They're so far under the radar. They're clipping trees right now. I think the Red Raiders could make another dream run to the final four. And if you get there, anything could happen. So as a three seed, that would be my pick outside the top two. I love it. Have you decided on your Natty Championship winner yet or not? Not so not so much. I have, you know, I, this is one of those years where I, I feel a little bit nervous because I bought futures very early, actually dating back to the summer. And three of the four futures I bought are one seeds. So I, I got Gonzaga at eight to one. I got, I got Arizona at 25 to one. And I got Kansas at 20 to one. There's just something telling me that Gonzaga is going to get it done this time. And I think it really boils down to Chet Holmgren. The guy's a unicorn. He's a matchup problem. And I think you know, Twitter is quick to point out, you know, he weighs a buck 40 or whatever they want to joke about. But when you're making 35 foot shots, a la Kevin Durant in the NBA, it doesn't really matter if you're undersized or a little bit slim. They don't need him banging in the paint to get this done. So I'm going to go ahead and take a Gonzaga team that's been banging on the door for years. I think Mark Few gets that first national championship. 